Rethinking the Bible with Jack Pelham. Episode 3, Family Discussion about Episode 1, God Cares About How You Think. Welcome to Rethinking the Bible with Jack Pelham, where we apply reality-based thinking to the task of interpreting the Bible. Reality-based thinking is a method of thinking that seeks to make constant use of honesty, rationality, and responsibility in seeking out the reality of things. And in case you're wondering, we define reality as the state of things as they actually exist, as opposed to one's perceptions, beliefs, wishes, or attitudes about them. Welcome to episode three. As promised, I'm going to bring you into my home world today by bringing in Kay and James for a great discussion about episode one. Today's discussion is typical of our discussions around the house and at Cracker Barrel, so we thought we'd see if it works well as a podcast episode of its own. Just so you know, it lasts about an hour and 10 minutes, and we've been meaning to make a suggestion about this since every listener is in a different groove when it comes to their podcast listening habits. If any of our episodes is too long for your available time, we have heard from our technical staff that you can actually pause them and listen to the rest later. (laughs) We think most people will figure this out pretty well on their own, of course, but it's good to be careful about our assumptions. So with no further ado, here's today's discussion. Well, here we are in our first uh, stab at a family discussion. You'll have to forgive the audio quality. It's not the best equipment we have here. We hope to upgrade soon. But today, uh, we think it'll certainly be good enough to give it a go. I have with me Kay, my wife, uh, of, um, let's see, how many years since 2002? It's been 18 years. And James, our son who's 16, soon be 17. And uh, we can each introduce ourselves. Uh, Kay, tell us your name. Uh, my name is Kay. Very good. <laughs> Excellent. You. And you've been teaching piano for uh, quite some time, and you have 40-plus students yes. now-ish. Yes, I do. And you got a, um, a master's degree in piano pedagogy. Right. Which is? Teaching what? piano. How to teach piano. piano. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so uh, you also are a homeschooler. Mm-hmm. A homeschool mother, yes, a yes. homeschool teacher. Yes. Oh, not a student. I no, I'm not. Okay. But I am learning. I am learning as I teach. So, yes. Indeed. So you've been doing this how long? Uh, since he was born, nearly 17 years ago. So. Right. Mm-hmm. And you studied a lot the Charlotte Mason approach. Right. Right. Can you tell us who she was? Uh, Charlotte Mason was a British educator, uh, so a... Um, philosopher of education. So um, she was a teacher and then she was a teacher of teachers, but she uh, also studied a lot of the um, classical teachers and philosophy of teaching and sort of developed with the help of uh, other friends, a philosophy of teaching, which we have a lot written down that, that she wrote down either um, in speeches that she gave. So uh, she believed very much in that children are, as she said, born persons and had a lot of respect for the child as a full human being. And, as opposed to a blank slate right. type of idea. Okay. And so um, so her ideas I've used with um, 
of course, with raising, not just teaching, but uh, raising our son. And I've been helped along the way with other friends that follow this philosophy. And I also use it, and it's just my relationship with my piano students. I believe very much in them as persons as well. And I have respect for them and everything that they're made of. So, mm-hmm. Good. And so you have been uh, the primary educator for James right. all these years. Mm-hmm. And uh, James, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Your name is? James. Yes, that's yes. very good. We've been working on that a long time now. Yeah. So you're uh, almost 17 and Apparently. You, you are big into what? Well, um, math and programming. That's uh, pretty much it at this point. So, uh, well... Not strictly true. I recently got back into video games some more, but yeah. Uh, so. Okay, but when you say math and programming, you mean that you, you've been uh, teaching yourself C++ yeah. and have been programming some things uh, yeah. that I know about, and who knows what I don't, because uh, you, you do so much. But hmm. then also with math, you've gotten on uh, through calculus and beyond, right? You're dealing with... Uh, uh, calculus is the last is like the the highest subject that I would say I'm anywhere close to complete at, like okay. complete it at basic calculus. I am vaguely aware of some subjects beyond that. Like uh, I've been watching a few videos on measure theory and could say some about it, but um, as far as what math, uh, what, what groups of math am I like a master at? Um, it it gets up to calculus and then at the moment it stops there. <laughs> okay. Well, I knew you had it up through counting in right, addition, yeah. right? So it goes beyond that yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I can tell you because of you, I am reminded that a derivative uh, is the slope of a curve at any given point. Yeah. Right? That's pretty good. S- something yeah. like that. Okay. Yeah. Right? Yay. I'm awesome. All right. So uh, anyway, there's our trio. We have a lot of fun together. On Mondays, we uh, have a school where I teach homeschoolers uh, several classes like band and a chorus and public speaking and etiquette. And what am I missing? A skits, skit, a skits uh, class. And then something else I left out. The general music for the Gen- Oh, that's kids. right. That's mm-hmm. right. I also hope to be teaching the Constitution soon. I would like to teach writing. Uh, I've, I've gone over my own... Uh, thing in, in the episode between this one and the very first one. But today I thought we would discuss that first episode where it's just me talking. And by the way, uh, in case you don't know, I am reading from a script on these episodes. Uh, so I am not that good a speaker. Uh, you don't want me off the cuff or how did I put it the other day on the, uh, on the spur of the cuff? Yes. yes. Yeah, that was it. With my, what a malifor, is that what you said that was? Uh, I don't know if that strictly counts as one, but it's pretty similar to a malifor. Yeah. I certainly conflated a couple of yeah. metaphors, right? Uh, so anyway, what do we think about this uh, first episode, uh, which was called God Cares About How You Think? I agree. Yes. <laughs> agree. Okay. Well, there you have it. There's our discussion. Thanks so much yeah. for joining us. Well, I was I was thinking when you uh, were introducing us, or you were saying, "Here's the um, our first discussion, or something, our first family discussion." I'm like, "Well, yes, the first, I suppose, recorded one, but our family uh, discusses 
all the time. And yes. we've been doing that since James, pretty much since he was born. I mean, you and I were doing it when we met, and then James came along. And so it's um, it's a lifestyle for us to be thinking, but also to be talking about it. Let yes. me interrupt you there just to say that if you should happen to hear automotive noises, uh, you're not really hearing those. They don't really exist. We'll try to edit out what we can of that, and we'll try to get in a better studio space later. Right now, we're sitting in Kay's piano studio, if you must know. So you were saying I'd interrupted you. Um, that just this thinking, but not just um, our own personal thinking, but talking with each other about the things that we're thinking, which is um, a good way to check your thinking. And a lot of what you talked about in the episode, uh, you get to the point about uh, knowing yourself and um, the discernment. And so it's very helpful um, that we do get our ideas and our thoughts out to be checked by each other and, you know, other people. So, well, and, you know, I think that's very fun. Mm -hmm. And I, I gather that not everyone thinks that in this world, but I think it's a lot of fun. And, uh, I, I, I think back like every Monday after we finish our school, how we like to go out to Cracker Barrel for dinner most of the times. And we just sit and talk and talk and talk about the day, sort of a debriefing time. And, Oh, did you notice that? Did you notice this? And, uh, to me, that is super fun. And I have, uh, longed for talks like that my whole life through. It is, um, uh, like you brought up in the episode, the, the first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines him. We have, uh, you know, two other people to say, hey, no, that's dumb if you, you know, <laughs> right? say anything dumb. Mm -hmm. And uh, whereas even one person trying to check himself on things can, uh, that doesn't always work out. So. Yeah, I certainly think it's easier with help, uh, at least if you trust the help. Yeah. And of course, okay. we've been around each other for years, so we've learned how to communicate well and to listen well. But it is so good uh, for me to be able to test an idea or, well, here's what I think about such and such. Uh, check me here. Am I off on this? Or, you know, what do you think? So what you're talking about, the Solomon line about the first to present his case seems right until another comes along and questions him. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we definitely do that a lot. I, I thought about these first two uh, and I suppose we're going to have to figure out how to keep these uh, family discussions to a relatively short amount of time. Yeah. I was we could... looking at the clock and we'll figure out. <laughs> yes, because we could go on for years probably. Yes. But I love this thing about uh, about the Isaiah 118, the come now let us reason together. Mm -hmm. And I wrote down in my notes here about God stooping down mm -hmm. to talk to people. And it doesn't mention that specifically here. Uh, in this one verse, but I thought about how he stooped down to talk to Cain, who, by the way, had quite an evil heart at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet God still stoops down to reason with him. Hey, here's how it is. Here's what you need to do. Uh, and he did it with Abraham, uh, like that long discussion talking about what's going to happen to to Lot and Sodom and all this. Mm -hmm. uh, he did it with Moses. And then later on, uh, we talked about this discussion with the lawyer and Jesus, where the lawyer says, what good thing must I do? Uh, and Jesus seems to be the same there, mm -hmm. talking with him that he's, uh, well, as if they were equals. Uh, 
as, with with respect for the man. Well, that kind yeah. of reminds me of what you were asking me earlier about with Charlotte Mason, and um, you know her the first principle she mentions that children are born persons. Well, that's how God sees us; that He respects us, the abilities that we have. Uh, he created us, so He knows what we're made of, right? And so that He, um, you know, He He knows that we can. Um, um, he knows what a person is, and so and and then you're talking about stooping down. Well, the what you had uh, the Isaiah scripture that you had mentioned after that about you know where God had said, "Let us reason together." But in chapter fifty-five, where the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so there's the stooping down. He's he's way up high. I mean, you know, yeah, physically stooping down, but yet he's He's saying that his ways and his thoughts are higher, yet he comes to these people and says, you know, let us reason together. And okay, so, so I want to say this about that. And this may seem silly to say it, but I think that God is humble. Mm-hmm. And true humility, where you don't think less of yourself than you ought or higher. You're just, you are what you are. You know, you, you know it's a sober judgment of yourself. Well, if you think about somebody like, um, oh, oh! I know a, a good example. Uh, one day Einstein is at home at Princeton and there's a knock on the front door and it's a neighbor girl who's 12 or something. And she doesn't know who this is, but she needs help with her math homework. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so he helps her. And can you imagine years later, once she had all this figured out, what had happened there right. or what that story must have meant to her. And, uh, you know, Einstein apparently enjoyed helping her just fine. And I think about God having that same quality. And, and again, it, it does seem kind of silly to me to call that humility in God's case. Right. But I'm sure I'm not completely off with this mm-hmm. idea. So uh, the very fact that he wants us to know things, it, it's not like he's saying, well, shut up. You're down there on earth. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'll see you later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. He's not like that. Although he doesn't appear to me. And, and this is one of the things I forgot to mention in the uh, in the number two episode, just the about me bullet points. I don't consider myself to be a prophet. Uh, I'm not an apostle. Uh, God hasn't appointed me or commissioned me to do anything. I'm not a, a minister or a pastor. And so I'm just a guy who wants to understand the Bible and understand what God says. And so uh, to me, I love the fact that he has uh, presumably he's put these things in a book where we can find them and either get nothing out of them if we want or get a lot out of them if we will dig in and go after it or uh, get out of it a twisted version because of dumb junk we've done in our heads while we're reading and wrestling with the scriptures. So what do you think about where he says, come let us reason together. Do you think that this is a common understanding among Christians today that God really wants people to be reasonable and even this idea of together. Uh, right. Let's think through this together. Yeah. Um, not you go off on your own. You need to think about that young man or something, you know. Oh, you, you go think about this and come back. Right, right. You're in time out. I'll talk yeah. to you in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. There is um, sort of the... Uh, there's a twisted sort of idea of faith that uh, where it's like, um, I'm telling you this 
and you need to believe the thing that I'm telling you and uh, sort of take it for granted as opposed to, hey, um, you know, we can reason through a thing and come to this conclusion, right? And so um, the, the thing I put down here, this is uh, sort of come now, let us reason together about this thing as opposed to because I said so, right? And um, this is not that. And I think uh, if you're trying to teach someone something, it is uh, more convincing if you can get the person to come to the conclusion for themselves, right? So, uh, right. Because it's much more satisfying to, uh, to derive the quadratic formula than just be told this is how it is, right? Oh, yes, I find it terribly satisfying <laughs> as I sit down to derive the quadratic formula myself. Yeah. Yes. when you do that, you see, oh, the, there is a reason it is like this. Right. And I know enough to find that reason for myself. And so I'm perfectly convinced that it is true rather than someone just pulling it out of thin air and saying, hey this is the case like but why though yeah okay i love this point uh this is the difference between your math education and mine mine was here's the formula you need go memorize it yeah and yours is more the do-it-yourself uh putting the thing on the table and turning it around looking from all the different sides and you can even prove it yourself right and so obviously you're going to understand it better have a better mastery of it than than i would have and I do think uh, not only is it, is it more convincing that, oh, I see this is true, but also it's just more useful to be able to prove something than to have it memorized. Because, like, in trigonometry, there are various things where you can say, oh, stuff like the easy one is cosine squared plus sine squared equals one. This is just true always. Okay. And that's very useful. And there are other uh, identities like that. Um a lot of which I forget. I do not memorize them. Um, but I can rederive them really quickly. Just pull out some easy stuff, work through a little bit of math, and oh, I have this thing rederived, right? And um, so when you Just can. Like that. Yeah, it's a piece of cake, right? <laughs> so you don't have to memorize something if you know how to prove the thing. Yeah, I'm over here smiling because it reminds me of my online Bible discussions with people where I've probably written an article about this thing in the past, but I'm going to sit there for an hour and go look up the scriptures all over again, yeah. fresh, and because I sort of remember where they are, right. what they said, and go look them up. Sometimes I'm wrong. I didn't have it just right, yeah. but at least I catch myself. Yeah. But a lot of this doing the work over and over again, uh, I think is, is very useful. Okay, you teach piano lessons. You teach mm -hmm. lesson 1A mm -hmm. again and again and again right. to people. What do you see as this um, the connection here? Well, I um, teaching the same lessons over and over, I can um, see how it might be done differently, more effectively. But of course, you also, every student is different. And so you adjust to that also. But teaching anything, I've realized how much I have... Um, become a better player myself because I'm working through the material, even the very, very beginning stuff when just teaching a kid about the piano or an adult, whoever it may be. Um, and then all the details that I have, um, I'm more detailed in my own playing and noticing things 
for having gone through that okay, so over gotta, and over. Yeah. All right. I got to ask you this. Do you look at your fingers while you play and be sure your finger position is nice and high? And Well, you know, I do notice my hands more because of, um, and I've, you know, recorded myself video. And so, um, and I'll, my, I will go to and notice my hands. Um, I, because I am telling students, I'm telling, you know, get your wrist, you know, don't be flopping down there, keep that nice, you know, round shape and, and all of that. And um, so, yes, I, I notice myself more because of, you know, uh, teaching somebody else to pay attention to those details. So. Right. That's good. Okay. So I can relate uh, to that as a teacher too. And it's these details, like with my chorus, let's get that ah vowel all matching, where we're all saying mm -hmm. the same ah and not ah or something. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so the the fine attention attention to details mm -hmm. is uh, is really important in these things. Is it the same with the Bible? Mm -hmm. Is it the same with uh, being an authentic person? Mm -hmm. Right? Because it's amazing what some humans will go to the effort, like with their physique and all the training they do and all the details they pay attention to and the discipline they undergo, are we supposed to be like that with the way we manage our minds? With, uh, with detail and thinking about the, um, uh, is this, yeah, this is the one, um, the, uh, for you tithe mint and dill and uh, cumin and have neglected the, uh, the you know fine details of the law, justice, mercy, right? And uh, well, yeah, he calls them the weightier things, right? right yeah. yeah. So Indeed. fine detail is kind of uh, meant to be an understatement there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought that was funny too because the uh, mint and dill and cumin that they were uh, tithing. Uh, I don't even know what those things are exactly myself. I mean, I, I, I suppose I do. Is. I'm not certain I know what they are. Yeah. But uh, certainly uh, law and justice and mercy and faithfulness, those things are seem the core of the right. religion to me, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, you know, I think this is uh, kind of hard for some people to get through their heads, though. That Wait a minute. You mean that God wants me to be paying that much attention to detail and doing it all the time. I think that's surprising to people. I know with my singers, when I coach them, I'll teach them about the good breathing. I'll show them a, a trick or two and I'll say, okay, here's the insane thing. I want you to do that every time you sing. Every, every, every time, all the time. And they look at me like, you're kidding, right? <laughs> no, I'm not. Yeah. And of course, that's the difference between uh, an excellent singer and one who's not is just the consistency of the approach. <clears throat> Get the approach right and then do it consistently and then you can build on that foundation. And I, I don't think that what God has in mind for us here is really much different than general learning that we're all quite familiar with. If we've ever practiced how to throw the football or hit the tennis ball or how to uh, write a sentence without ending a preposition with I butchered yes. that, but you know yeah, what I mean, yeah. right? Okay. And so, uh, is it is it any different? Is there anything here that's that's extra hard, or that requires some some amazing external uh, power for us to be able to do, huh. or is this just routine stuff? It here? is routine, and it's also if you care about it. And oh, so, yeah. you know, he the Matthew twelve that 
you had quoted about out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right. And so if you care about these these details, but you know, you you don't need to just be told to care. It's like James was saying earlier, when you've worked at something, it's it's your own and you're not just you know, on the outside caring, because we, you know, you talked about that a lot, how they're trying to make themselves look like, but if you truly do care, but, um, you know, you will notice the important details of things and you will be consistent and growing in, you know, doing whatever it is, doing it well, you know, and, you know, including thinking and, you know, all of these things. So, but definitely the caring. You think caring takes effort? It does, but if you are, and then, like, all these words, things you're saying, I just keep thinking Charlotte Mason things, so this may be, you know, (laughs) a recurring thing with me, but the caring, because she talks about that, the habit training, if you're in the habit of, and so things are hard at first when you're trying to develop good habits, but once they do become a habit, and, um, and I think you'll grow in the, the satisfaction of, Doing the right things, you it may be hard. You develop the habit of doing it, but once they become routine and you see the good things that come from doing things well, um, then it's actually it feels so good. Why would you want to go back? You know. Well, and the runner's going to say the same thing, right? Now that they're up to running a few miles a day, why would I ever go back to not running? Mm-hmm. Now, I, on the other hand, can right. find good reasons not <laughs> to run again tomorrow. But I understand that. Uh-huh. Now, you know, I think it's the NIV on the same verse you mentioned. Uh, here it says about um, from the abundance of the heart. Is that what it says? Out of the abundance of the heart. Okay, and I think the NIV says from the overflow of the heart. And I have not gotten into the Greek too much, but it really makes me think you can tell what somebody cares about by what they talk about, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you, you meet that uh, that stereotypical grandfather who wants to open the wallet and show you the pictures of his grandchildren, right? Things like that. Of course, you can you can uh, a narcissistic person always wants to talk about what themselves, <laughs> right? Himself, right? Okay, and so. Uh, I think that says a lot about what kind of people we are inside. And it makes me think, I just snuck over and got my guitar off the wall. But it just makes me think about this, uh, and it's just a metaphor, but from music, this idea of harmonic resonance. Remember the picture of the bridge that's uh, flailing side to side and then finally it just collapses and falls into the water. It's because it was because of how it vibrates under certain conditions. And I'm going to stick my guitar up here next to the mic. I'm going to play uh, as the motorcycles come by. I'll play this note here. I'm sure you can hear that fine. And now I'm going to sing that same note. I'm going to mute it on the guitar and sing it. Ah. Ah. Can you hear it ringing? Yes. I sure hope you can hear it on the mic. Because right. it's, it's, it's quite... Uh, low but that string has started to vibrate just because its pitch that it is tuned to play is present in the room mm-hmm. and so it says hey i want on that That's too my song. Think, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah they're they're singing my, my song, song mom singing my song. yeah exactly yeah. it it kind of um when you pluck the string it causes uh, it vibrates and then it causes vibrations in the air but the opposite thing can happen too where vibrations in the air cause the string to vibrate and so and then now the string is vibrating it spits out more into but 
You know what this reminds me of? Uh, and I'm thinking about people and how they respond to different topics. You remember the two guys on the road to Emmaus after Jesus has died and been resurrected? And uh, they're walking along and then Jesus incognito meets them there. And later they're like, uh, who was that guy? <laughs> and something, I forget the exact words, but something in our hearts was burning mm-hmm. as we listened to him talk. Right. And so they're resonating to what his maybe it was his tone, maybe the message. Maybe I think he probably said some things hearkening back to the prophets and such in, in that conversation. But it got them going. They cared about what he was saying. Mm-hmm. And then if you turn the other side over and look at a, a contrasting picture of somebody you're trying to talk to him about something like in that, that silly old movie, Joe versus the Volcano. And uh, he, uh, Tom Hanks' character, he pours his heart out to this girl about, I want to do something and make something of my life. I want to be something. And she says, I have no response to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And some people are, are quite like that. You try to talk to them, even Christians, even preachers, really. Uh, you try to talk to them about the Bible and what does this mean and working the puzzle, trying to understand how all these things put together. And then they have no response to it. And I think that's sort of missing, you know, the, these passages I've picked out here. I think it's just a different mindset. And, and, and this all got sparked by what you said about caring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just when talking about people with, um, you know, with no response or there's just no connection being made. And it's sort of a silly line, a sarcastic line. But the thing in the sound of music, when the family is escaping, trying to get away, and they get caught by whoever the um, the Austrian Herr Schneller. Or something. Um, but you know, neither of us have asked each other why you know you're here or why are you in these street clothes. You da da da. And then the captain says something like, uh, "We're both obviously suffering from a deplorable lack of curiosity." Yes. And that line, I think of that when, I mean, not just a lack of curiosity that you see in people because they don't care. They don't want to know things or they don't respond to things. They have a deplorable lack of curiosity. It's deplorable to me, the lack of curiosity. So, Well, yeah, you can tell when they are charged about something or when they're not. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk to people all the time about this amazing event in uh, Matthew 27 and the order of it's a little backwards the way that it's the order it's presented in, but it tells you this happened after Jesus was resurrected. It says that the uh, the tombs had split open in earthquake type uh, things, and that uh, the bodies of many holy people were raised to life, and they went into the city and appeared to many. Well, uh, that's quite a noteworthy event. Mm-hmm. You know, here we are, we just passed Easter and of course everybody knows about Jesus's resurrection. But when I say, did you know that there might've been more to that day than you are aware of? Well, what do you mean? And then I tell them about these many people, we don't know how many, but uh, that word is consistent with a whole bunch or just a pretty good crowd, right? Uh, but anyway, the people who are incurious about that, they'll say, Oh, (laughs) and I'm thinking, no, 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 wait, wait, what happened? What's up with that? What's going on here? Had this been prophesied before? If so, where? Who said something about it, right? And I've got ideas about that, and we'll study that sometime down the road because it's fascinating. But that's just one example 
of something that I think if a person is already uh, caring deeply mm-hmm. uh, and wants to look into if or let me borrow some language here, if they delight in the works of the Lord, mm-hmm. and I'm borrowing from Psalm 111, verse 2, if I remember, it says, um, great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. And when I hear that, I'm thinking, now, okay, wait a minute, there's different ways to talk, and, you know, sometimes we really mean something by the word all, and sometimes we don't so much mean uh, the same thing. So what are you saying to me, Mr. Psalmist here? Are you telling me that there is not a person, when you use that word all, are you telling me there is not a person on the face of this planet who delights in God's works but does not study them? Because if that's what you're saying, oh boy. Because a lot of us uh, may think we delight in these things, but if we're not digging into them, looking to find them, then that does say a lot about us. What do you think about Jesus aggravating people? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was, you know, he, when he's talking uh, to the Pharisees there and, and, you know, you brood of vipers and how can you being evil and later calls them hypocrites and you blind Several guides. Times. Yes. And I think, well, you know, don't hold back, Jesus. What do you really think about us? It's like he, you know, he didn't. He he didn't hold back. He, I mean, he was unafraid to say it because I guess it was the truth and he knew they needed to hear it or either the audience, whoever around it needed to hear um, him, you know, just yeah, them calling them. a million you know, other people. Yeah. Right, naming them out. You know, we can read the story now and we see Jesus doing it. So was it because he thought, you know, they would wake up because, you know, he called, you know, called them out or the people around there. But yeah, he wasn't. And you do that today. And, mm-mm, mm-mm, you know, yeah. people, you can't do that. You can't do that. You know, who are you to do that? And um, but you had also said, you know, Jesus, well, quoting there, it says, but Jesus knew their thoughts. So, well, can I know people's thoughts? But we're also told you can know people by their fruit. Uh we know that out of the abundance of the heart, you know, the mouth speaks or, you know, the th- things come out of the mouth. So, you know, there is a way uh, and maybe we don't have this, you know, superpower like Jesus to know people's thoughts, but you can know them. We're told, you know, by their fruits. What do you what's the outcome of their way of life? What are the things that they say that they talk about? Sure. So um, and then just calling things as it is. So. It's, you know, a challenge not to be afraid of that because we're told now we ought, you know, you ought not to do that. It it does make me wonder, you know, now if you see someone saying something dumb in public, uh, unless you're a particularly brave person or particularly um, unconcerned person, I'm not sure what's the best way to put it, but uh, you're not going to say, hey, that's dumb, right? You might think so privately or say so to whoever's with you when you get home or in the car or whatever, but you are probably not going to announce it publicly at that place that this person is saying something stupid. And I wonder, uh, that that is something that uh, it seems Jesus would do. <laughs> and uh, he'd say, no, that's not right. Um, and I wonder what was the general culture 
there would other people do the same? Or is it just, yeah, Jesus is correct, so he can feel pretty safe in saying that it's wrong because it is, and he's correct that it's wrong. <laughs> oh, sure. Well, you know, that's a great point, a uh, question that you raise about what was considered uh, culturally acceptable yeah. at that time, and is it any different from how things are today? Like today, you can tell a lie in public, but if you call out the liar in public, that is taboo, mm -hmm. right? And we also get into this, uh, these ideas, what I call the judge not fallacies. Oh, you're judging me, which uh, logically doesn't work because when they tell you this, they're pointing a bony finger at your face saying, you're judging, you're judging. Well, they, of course, are judging you as mm -hmm. one who's judging. So it's a, what I call a, a self-breaking rule. Uh, but you run into a lot of that today. But what I had in mind about this, uh, Jesus being such an aggravator, is uh, probably pretty easy to put our finger on just with the word nagging, mm -hmm. right? If I was supposed to clean my closet today, mm -hmm. but instead I want to write this article or record that thing or go work on this chorus uh, chart, uh, and then one of you might say, hey, you know what, uh, you remember what you were going to do today? And then I don't want to hear that. Now, <laughs> am, I, am I unwilling to discuss it with you? Well, no. And uh, do I totally uh, resent the reminder? No, but I don't want to hear it because I'm already internally aggravated knowing I've got this backlog of stuff to do. And that particularly unsavory task is on the list. I don't want to do that. And so I naturally feel at least a little tinge of aggravation when it mm -hmm. gets brought up, even if it's my own uh, post-it note that has that on there on my to-do list, right? Uh, so imagine if what you're doing is not just a need needed task, uh, like cleaning the closet, but if it is a matter of morality and the corruption of your own um, disposition as a person. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and, and by the way, this was so political. These Pharisees were the ruling class of Jesus' day in Judea there. And they had a, a Roman-appointed governor over them and all that. But the Jews were pretty much allowed to run their own religion and this ruling class that had got in there had been long unaccountable to God. And Jesus, of course, was going to throw a surprise party about that. <laughs> Say, surprise, you're accountable now. Oh, yeah, says who? Mm, me and God. Same thing. Yeah. Right. They got a little put out about this, as you know. Right. And so, but are people still like that today? So yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There's. Well, some... I I think of so many things. So I my mind was going this way and that, but I think, in particular, because you know the thing that he was challenging them. One of the things he was challenging them about with the hypocrisy about trying to look good on the outside, but the inside of the cup is um, not clean, and that people still try to do that today. And so, um, you know, they're, they think they're hiding their thoughts and, and all of this kind of thing and trying to present them well, perhaps, um, you know, is doing right on the outside. So I don't think these guys understood how sharp Jesus was. Right. They well, thought they, they could never... use their normal spiel to, right. to play him and manipulate him. 
and he just blew right through. Well, I think he did stun people from, you know, we'll see things that they're just like, wait, you know, like the thing with, who is this? Isn't isn't this Joseph's son? So it's just like, um, you know, how can he be knowing and talking this way or the ones that said he speaks as one with authority, you know, and so... I think they said something. You're like you're unlike our other teachers because you speak as with authority. So. Right. You you actually know what you're talking about. Right. What's up with that? Yeah. Yeah. With the um, uh, the oh queen, the outside of the uh, the cup and plate. Uh, one there's a word in here. Um, so what do you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites? Hmm, they're hypocrites. Uh, for you, just uh, thought I'd throw that in one more time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but wait, there's more. <laughs> right. Uh, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. The uh, the all uncleanness I find interesting. It's like that's a lot, right? Is this a, a literal? Everything that is unclean, it is filled with, right? Yeah, just or, you three guys right there. Right. All of badness is inside of you. Right. Or, yeah. or is, uh, I don't know, what is... Because that's not a thing that we would say now, right? So. Well, we might in purpley. Uh, we do stuff like this. You're always late. Oh, right. No, he's actually late 27.2% mm-hmm. of the time if we right. were to look up the statistics. It may seem like always to you. And so we do that. Now, I'm not saying that the writer here is doing that. Right. But I have pondered over this word all yeah. uh, frequently in the scriptures, particularly in the New Testament and in Jesus talking. Uh, and it's got a lot of uh, controversial issues that it gets involved in, like eschatology, for instance, and who were the promises he made Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, to whom were the promises made? Like, um, don't worry about what to say when you're on trial. It will be given to you. Well, are you talking just to the apostles? Or are you talking to every believer for all time in every country everywhere? And so these things are, they get a little controversial. However, I am convinced that the word all was not used by them always in the same way that we would use it strictly today. It wasn't always an absolute term. And if this doesn't seem like a cop-out, I have come to understand it as all of what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. It's right? like uh, when we when one of us asks, uh, uh, what's a good example? Like, um, you know, uh, how much sugar should I put in and the whole amount? Like, Oh, yeah. yeah. Kidding around. Yeah. Right? So. Right. How long did the play last? The whole time. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Right? That's better. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, put the groceries away. Which ones? All of them. Well, not those, though. Not <laughs> Don't put those away. Those stay out. Don't you know? Right? Yeah. And so it's, and that's what brings me back to, well, it's all of what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so let the reader understand. Yeah. Right? And, and these are tricky. I don't mean to try to solve the whole New Testament in one little yeah. uh, thing like that. Oh, so uh, you were talking about hyperbolic language. And uh, in there you mentioned parabolic language. And, I did. And are those the same thing or not? No, they're not. Okay, uh, parabolic good. as in telling a parable. Ah, okay. Right? And this is a fascinating thing. The whole idea that Jesus in the first place would tell parables. Hmm. Well, what's up with that? Right? Uh, there was a man who had two sons, and the one son yeah. said this, and wanted to leave. I'm like, okay, what are you talking about? What in the world? But see, I think that goes back to what you know James was saying way back about uh, making something your own, learning it, because the stories 
the images that the stories would present could a person who was going to understand because let him who, who has ears hear oh, whatever right. that goes sure. but the person that was going to understand that story would be imprinted in their mind and their heart they would get it because of the the way in which he he told the story so it's, so, it, so they're not just being told a fact okay they're being told a story you know with these ideas behind it and so that they would so you're suggesting that it's a teaching technique and a mnemonic device, a memory device, All right. to help mm-hmm. them remember it, right? Right. And we hear about things having been set. Uh, oh, now we have the trains coming by. <laughs> we live by a, a very large train yard. Perfect place for a recording studio. Oh, yeah. Uh, but we set uh, certain lessons or text to music, and mm-hmm. so the song helps us remember. Right. And so you're thinking that in decoding the parable, mm-hmm. it imprints on memory mm-hmm. greater? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Just, is this yeah. the same, James, as you you solving the quadratic formula yourself? Does that have a greater impact on memory? You've processed it because probably, you've been through yeah. the process. You remember it. it. Um, the, here, okay, so here's the thing about it. Is I uh, get this often where certain things become uh, intuitive. Uh, the... the hmm, uh, the, there are a lot of different things that fit into this category, but one... One general thing is um, I personally am a fan of units like, you know, uh, meters and liters and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So like instead of I'm going 65, it's I'm going 65 miles per hour. Right. Okay, gotcha. As a matter of shorthand and language, I'm fine with that because if you're in a car on the highway and someone says you're going 65 I'm pretty sure I got what that means, right? But um, well, you are cool like that. Yeah. Uh, Not only is it just incorrect to say that 65 equals 65 miles per hour, uh, or you're not really going to see someone doing that. But if someone uh, says, "How would it go?" Like uh, 13 times five equals 65 miles per hour, right? Oh, I see. Like, They've left the units out of one right, of the 13. Yeah, so that's just strictly incorrect, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, but, so not only is it that, but also uh, oftentimes uh, including units in your calculations will save you from an error because you'll see, hey, the units don't work out. That means that somewhere, if I start from a place where both sides of the equation have equal units which they should, mm-hmm. uh, and then I end up in a place where both side, uh, where there are different units on either side of the equation, then I've made a mistake somewhere, and I don't even have to finish the calculation. I know I've made a mistake, and I have to go back. Okay, and, so i got to ask you here. Do you think, and what you're talking about is imprecise, uh, sort of undisciplined math, right? Yeah. And, okay, not many are mathematicians, but I think we can transfer the point here. Yeah. How does this... Does that kind of error, that kind of just sloppiness, uh, laziness of mind, does that translate into how people understand the Bible, how they live their lives, uh, how they interpret uh, what Jesus said and such? Is that a problem in this world of ours? Yeah. the um, When you sort of get sloppy with language... Um, like people say things and hopefully they mean things when they say things. And so uh, in the case of Jesus, you can be pretty sure that he says what he means. Right. Uh, and so the problem then is just 
how do you interpret it and how well do you interpret it uh, and how much do you just sort of hand wave it uh, to try to get out what you mean, what you want from it uh, or how much do you stay strictly to what was said? Um, well, let me ask you about these parables. Do you think that Jesus intended that somebody was going to hear that parable this morning when he said it and get the point and keep the point forever? Or do you think that some of these things might be long-term puzzles to be pondered over? Well, some of both, I think. But, um, you know, after he... It said somewhere, I think, after he resurrected or something, then they, the guys were like, oh, I get it now, right. what he was saying. Right. And so... So they, um, re- they remembered it long enough to realize when yeah, it had when come it to happened. fruition. Sure. Yeah. Right. Um, there is a bit of... Um, you take whatever he wants to tell people, uh, and then he kind of... It doesn't quite work here, but you could say he kind of abstracts it into this weird story, right? And then if you can solve, air quotes, that story, then, uh, and of course I'm thinking uh, mathily with this, if you have the, the solution to this abstract story, you can reapply it to whatever the more concrete thing oh, yeah, was initially. It's sort of a- template or something for exactly yeah that. and and so this is this is what a lot of math is you have some real world problem you abstract it into math language and you do some weird uh stuff in the abstract world and then you get some solution out that you can bring back to the concrete world and what's neat about it is that there are uh often many distinct problems in the real world that uh, and of course i can't uh, actually, no, I can't think of uh, uh, things like springs and waves and bridges. Those are all about resonance and 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 stuff. So, uh, so in math terms, they all behave the same. So, when you have a solution for one, you have solutions for others. And so, so that's kind of what he's doing here. Okay, so, so let's talk about math. You know, when you when you mention the word M A T H, a lot of people's eyes will roll. Mm-hmm. Some people's eyes glass over. And some, uh, very few, get this very excited look on their face and they start resonating like that guitar string. Oh, let's talk math, right? Okay, Uh, with these parables, what happens if Jesus puts out a puzzle? One day a farmer went out to sow his seeds. (laughs) And, well, what if whoever in the audience, well, I hate farmers. I'm done. I don't want to hear the rest. Are, Are they going to get the point of this? Uh, this story he's telling, mm-hmm. no, because they're not willing to to you know quote go there mm-hmm. to go figure out the thing, or another guy's like farmers and seeds. Hey, it's a word problem. Yay, I'm a math guy. I love word problems, right? right. So I'm gonna yeah. keep on Jesus. How keep many going. seeds? How yeah. many seeds? Yeah, how many seeds? <laughs> what kind? How Three big are seeds they? went out. Two, then right. two came back out. They were yeah. through five. Yeah, <laughs> three barley corns. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Okay, so uh, so here's a question. Didn't Jesus know that not everybody would have enough care, to go back to your mm-hmm. idea, okay, to figure out what he's saying mm-hmm. and that his parables would disqualify some people on account of their lack of care? Mm-hmm. And isn't that interesting? 
because you might pick up some modern vibe that says, uh, oh, um, God loves everybody and the, and the words for everybody and, and um, it's supposed to bless everybody and enrich everybody's heart and life right. and the butterflies and the flowers. And, and some people would say this isn't fair. You know, that would that's not fair. Right, right. So it is, um, you know, we're not going to be controversial here, so I won't speak of any particular kind of governments. But, you know, there's this idea that everybody should have their equal share no matter what their input is oh, sure. to something. And so some people would say, well, that's not fair that he just, he disguised it in such a way that only those that cared would get the message. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that, you know, I suppose this goes with his, the wide way and the narrow way. And so, you know, he says very few will find that narrow way. And he just knew that for a fact. And um, so was he unfair to not give everybody, even the uncarers, an equal chance? Like, you know, he should have done something to just make them care or something. (laughs) But no, it's just, it's up to you whether you care or not and choose to think through it. And, um, you know. Do you remember the excitement when you were a kid when somebody in the family walks in the room with a popsicle? Oh, and oh, yeah. the other's like, "Where'd you get that?" Right, yeah. right. It's in the freezer. What? You know, they run <laughs> off. To, you know, everybody goes okay, and then maybe there's the one person who doesn't go because they just don't like popsicles, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what you're describing here as well. Look, if you're not into Jesus and and God, if you don't delight in His works and and care to figure it out. Maybe this just isn't for you Mm -hmm. Uh, by your own choice. Of course, Mm -hmm. it's not like uh, at least some people might believe this. I don't. It's not like, well, God made me to be disinterested in this. (laughs) This is just who I am. Right. Mm -hmm. I I don't care. And it's God's fault. Right. (laughs) So I do. I do really wonder about this. How. Wait a minute. If you're telling me this is up to me. Then you're really saying something there. And this morning I read through the first 12 uh, chapters of the Proverbs, uh, which we should totally get into here at some point, <clears throat> that the idea that, uh, you know, if you listen to my words, heed them, ponder them, go over them, search for them like you would for gold and silver to figure this stuff out because it's really going to pay off. God is going to give you wisdom as you process his words. That's the promise in there. And I, I'd love to get into that. And perhaps we'll do that soon. But the idea that, wait a minute, you're not just going to download this to me, but I have to go get it. Hmm. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. what kind of person I am is going to have a lot to do with whether I think that's a good deal or not. Yeah. And so uh, a lot of this comes down to, I think, what are you going to, are you willing uh, to go after this? I, I made a note here about the the first to plead his case seems right until another comes along and examines him. And I I made a note about that thing we used to call the Berean challenge, where when Paul was preaching, uh, he had been to Thessalonica and things went great there. He got to Berea and Yowza, things went really great there. Oh, yes. (laughs) Because those guys, where the Thessalonians received the message, fine. But the guys in Berea... Paul was very impressed because they actually went and checked out everything he told them to be sure it was true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So did they get some sort of extra benefit from this? Well, yeah, it seems they did. And I got to tell you, Thessalonica as a church is one of the most special ones because uh, the rest of the class would resent them if, if uh, church were a school class. 
And you know why? It's because they broke the curve, mm. right? They did so well when Paul wrote to them. He said, oh, you guys are doing great. I don't really have anything to say to you much. Right? It's in there. Go look it, go look it up. <laughs> yeah. And it's not in those exact words, right? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Not those exact words. But it's in there. Trust me. Yeah. Right? And so, uh, so here you've got the Bereans who not only had that uh, great heart about, yeah, we are going to put it into practice, but they were actually doing this work to go examine mm-hmm. the scriptures every day to see if what Paul had said is true. And I think the Solomon here would have been very proud of that. We know Paul was proud of that and Luke who wrote the account. Yeah, imagine you know being told by God or Jesus or an apostle or something like that, this kind of thing, uh, like... I don't really have much to tell you because, you know, you're doing pretty fine, it looks like. Or, um, and he said to him, you have answered correctly, <laughs> right? Or, uh, I forget. Oh, the lawyer there who asked, yeah. what do I have to do to get yeah. eternal life? Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, I forget what the other one is, but. Uh, Are you thinking about Nathaniel? Uh, maybe. Uh, Nathaniel's the one when Jesus was first uh, commissioning his apostles. Uh. And one day, here comes Nathaniel, who apparently had not met Jesus before. And while he's on his way, uh, Jesus says something like, uh, look, a true Jew in whom there is nothing false. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine that it's endorsement? Like the, yeah, I know. The stamp right. of approval. They, right? You know, USDA or USDA. Like my Jesus. bumper sticker says, true Jew, you yeah. know, approved by Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. But think of what all that must have meant. Yeah, and about also about the quality of that guy's character. This is um, this just blows away any thought that humans are uh, incapable of good things. Oh yeah, keep talking. Um, well, that's oh, you were done. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fine point. Yeah, because um, like uh, you know, you can't have uh, no person can do good, and yet. Here are people doing good. That's not how logic works. That's a contradiction, right? And I'm more willing to uh, take God, Jesus, and apostles on their word that uh, there exist good humans. I'm willing to take them on their word of that over uh, people saying there does not exist a good human, right? And, and you can get uh, a bit pedantic about, okay, what exactly do we mean by good? Do we mean perfect by good? Or just sort of, you know, having certain good qualities? Another way to say that very thing you just said is to ask the question, okay, well, if God's the one who's deciding who's good and who's not good, how does God think about this? Hmm. Because he knows we all have our faults, and yet he still considers some to be good. And uh, perhaps we should get into this at, at length uh, in some future episode. But there is that passage about where Jesus says to the man, no one is good except God alone. And uh, I used to do this. I would take that passage. See, right there, there's a little nugget of truth. You can count on that being a fact. And so nobody's good. But then you read through Acts and you see that Barnabas was a, quote, good man. Yes. End quote. Like, uh, uh-oh. Yeah. I know that no one is good except God alone. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, of course, because he is God, right? Mm-hmm. He had a little advantage in that. Okay, but now I've got the Bible telling me Barnabas is good. So maybe here's a case where I need to, quote, rethink the Bible, right. right? I need to think more carefully about it and come back to understand, wait a minute, some of these things that seem like contradictions, 
may not be. But what if you never stopped and dealt with that? And this is the point in the in today's study about the people, there's an actual standard of good thinking, not just try to do better, but no, you think like God does. Mm-hmm. Think like Jesus does. And it takes practice. Yeah, absolutely. It takes effort. It takes keeping on, keeping on, you know, doing it. And um, so, but it, I, I think it is expected. You know, when you, that thing with the lawyer coming up to Jesus and asking, and you said the thing about the expectation Jesus had, and I don't know if I'd ever seen this this way or had forgotten that I had, but he asked him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? That he expected him to know the text, but he also expected him to have some thinking about it, interpret it. How do you mm-hmm. how do you see this? And so, um, you know, how do you read it? He was interested. He was interested in how the guy read it, because why would he ask? But and he wouldn't ask if he didn't think that there was a possibility that the guy could have some, you know, interpretation. This, this is also what I, I was thinking about with... Um, uh, if you're trying to teach someone something, if you can get them to work it out, uh, it's more convincing to them, right? Because basically w- what he's done here, the person comes up and says, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And and Jesus says, what do you think? Figure it right? out, right? Yeah, work, work it out. You have the law. What's it say, right? And Is he saying, why are you asking me? Uh, like, like Dude, why are you asking me? You've got the scriptures. <laughs> Go look it up. Yeah, right? Do you <laughs> yeah. think that may be part of what was going on here? Maybe. Uh, I like what you say about it, having the guy work it out. Right. And this guy did, so apparently it wasn't too big a task to be right. worked out. I have a Charlotte Mason thing to say. Okay, sure. Oh, by the way, and let me say, uh, to make it clear, Charlotte Mason was a believer in God and Jesus. Right, okay, right. Okay, go ahead. And so, uh, well, this reminds me of uh, you know what she says for us as teachers that we do not... We don't uh, just shove the information into them, but that we present the feast before them. So our job is to have the feast before them. You know, we provide the books and and whatever the, we're going to, you know, the stories that we will do, the music we will listen to, the pictures. We provide the feast and then they feed from it. Well, Jesus, the feast is there. Well, what's written in the law? And so what do you, you know, and how do you consume it? (laughs) You know, what are you getting from this? And so... It has the information is it's it's out there, and but it's up to the person. And then I also was thinking about that you can uh, whatever take the horse to water, but you cannot make him Can't drink. Make him drink, yeah. right? And so, um, you know, the feast has been presented to us. Well, are we going to, you know, take part in the feast? And it's up to us. We're not going to be spoon fed, um, you know, everything. So. I think somebody has reworked that saying something like, "You can take." The Christian to the Bible, but you can't make him think. Right. Some, okay. Something along those lines. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the um, just thinking about that, you don't spoon feed everything, uh, and and such. Uh, a lot of what we have been talking about here kind of boils down to uh, like memorization versus actually thinking through a thing and uh uh whether that be you know biases or uh um you know it, it's oh here's this little fact don't know how i got it but it just you know it is uh, versus actually taking the time to think through a thing and um 
Also, I have a, a note here. I was wondering, would it uh, would it be better to describe a bias as a, like a lookup than a, a program or something? Um, oh, every time something happens in the program, stop real quick and go look up that other thing that's already stored and written out. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, because uh, the the point of a bias is, I don't have to do any processing besides whatever processing it takes to go into memory and look right. up this. Right. This fact, right? And so, uh, or, well, fact, air quotes, right? So, uh, and that's the thing. And also, uh, I'm not sure about the exact definition of bias. Would it be wrong to say that all biases are bad, or would it be wrong to say that there are good ones? No, there are not good ones. Okay. Uh, here's how a cognitive scientist is going to define a bias. Uh, uh, by way of metaphor, it's like a, a computer program, but a tiny little thing. It just does one thing. Right? It's not like going to calculate the national debt or something. It's just going to do one tiny little thing. And it's used as a shortcut, what they call heuristics uh, or heuristics or heuristics, depending on who you want to talk to. Okay, uh, It's a shortcut. <clears throat> and shortcuts are good. Like, for instance, uh, we know the stop sign by its shape and size. You don't even have to read the word on it. And so the color uh, yeah. instead of size. But... Yeah. Oh, stop sign, right? I know what to do. Right? Yeah. I, you don't have to write an essay. You don't have to get out the abacus. You just know. All right. So that's a shortcut. And that's very good. And so, uh, but if if you think, well, any sign you see <laughs> is a stop sign. So if you see any metal placard up on a pole, oh, you better stop. Like, okay, that's not right. That that would be a corruption right. in your thinking about traffic. And when I say corruption, I don't mean, oh, you're a terrible, evil person. I mean, right. no, no, it's just messed up data, all right? Yeah. Messed up facts. All right, so the cognitive bias is a shortcut that is not logically sound. And so, like I, I mentioned, the, the easy one, all Italians are thieves. Well, <clears throat> uh, if you keep applying that to every Italian you see, you are definitely going to be right eventually <laughs> okay but you're going to be wrong a bunch of times right in the same way if you say oh that preacher he was getting all into the greek meanings of words and all this kind of hyper intellectual stuff and that's just no good well wait a minute that's crazy because a lot of times you need to know what do you think bible translators do they have to figure out what english words should go here for us who don't speak greek or hebrew or aramaic and so somebody's got to determine the the details and hopefully they get it right and and of course that's not easy to do so we probably should cut it off here before too long let me just raise one or two more little things we're talking about getting these things right. We're talking about also having to throw out what's wrong in our minds, like when we have the competing beliefs. Oh, he's a wonderful principal. Oh, wow, he doesn't know anything that's going on, right? Well, but I really like Mr. Smith, <laughs> right? And so, uh, well, I don't want to admit that he doesn't know what all is going on, right? Well, look, if you're going to be authentic, you've got to throw the one out. You've got to clean the inside of that cup. You've got to purify your heart, you double-minded. Okay, this reminded me of the Churchill quote. And I don't, I'm not a, a Churchill fan in everything that Churchill did, but man, he had some really good observations. And the one that comes to mind, I may butcher it, help me out. But he talked about, this was in a letter he wrote, as I recall, that so-and-so would occasionally stumble across the truth 
but then pick himself up and carry on as if nothing had happened. Mm -hmm. And I think that this happens a lot in our culture with Bible things. We'll read a thing and, and say, oh yeah, that's because of such and such. Like 1 Corinthians 16, 2 or so, 1 and 2, it's talking about this uh, collection they were taking up. And uh, so you can go into a lot of churches and, and they'll say, hey, uh, now it's time in our service where we take up a collection as the Lord commanded us to do. Well, okay, wait a minute. This is, that passage is uh, describing a special collection that happened because of a drought and there were a famine. They were sending money to bring glory to God, by the way. And this is actually in the Old Testament, which is a fascinating study. But they, God had said, you will not suffer the disgrace of famine anymore. He had prophesied that this would happen at some point. And so now here they are in Acts 15, is it? There's a big famine. I may be wrong about the chapter. Big famine comes about. Oh boy, I thought you said there weren't going to be any famines anymore. No, I said you would not suffer the disgrace of famine anymore. And now you've got congregations all over this whole Mediterranean Sea region of planet Earth who are sending money back to Jerusalem to take care of their famine. They didn't have to pack up and go to Egypt again, right? right to get uh, food from some nation with foreign gods, you know, who, who were not friendly with Yahweh, right? And so uh, it's a fascinating thing going on here. But you can tell them, hey, that First Corinthians 16 thing, that was a special thing. That's not your, your weekly collection to pay into the treasury account of your local 501c3 church corporation. Mm -hmm. It's not what that was. And you can tell a lot of people this, and they might say, oh. And then what do you think? They say the next week, the next they're Sunday, they're right back to the same yeah. thing, right? Mm -hmm. So they never made the correction. They never purified. They didn't care enough to do it. It's not important enough to them to fix that. And sometimes it takes a lot of caring because you have to undo, you know, 50 years of habit. Uh, yeah. And what everybody, the expectation of everybody else. And so, yeah, I, I think of um, a lot of things that I've overturned in my mind, beliefs, and then you all oh, the backtracking you have to do, you know, to get people like, well, no, this isn't how it goes. And so, you know, there's some work in the undoing of it. And so, you have to care enough to be willing to go through that work too, let alone, you know, changing your mind. So is this uh, remotely related to what Jesus was talking about with the whole wineskins business that old wineskins and new wine mm, that doesn't go together mm -hmm. because the new wine expands the gases in there and it'll break the brittle old leather. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, is that what we're talking about here that um, the old wine thinker is just not going to be able to handle the higher thoughts of God, the higher ways of God. Not, not that God ever said, you need to all become omnipotent like me and live in heaven like mm -hmm. me and know everything. But that he does indeed have in, in mind for humans this way of living. Mm -hmm. And if you're one of these old wineskin folks, no, I'm not going to change my mind. I cannot expand. I cannot take on any new information. I'm not even interested. Don't even care. Mm -hmm. Then that's just going to bust your brain. Mm-hmm you know, to put these new ideas. And I think that's why it would be a real aggravant to Jesus. And I'm pretty sure as people are listening now that there are some who have already turned this off. And there are some who think, 
Uh, come over here, Billy. These people are insane. Come listen to this, right? Just out of some morbid curiosity, right? But there are probably some who are very excited about it. Like, oh, that was a neat discussion. Lots of stuff to think about there. Uh, when can we do this again, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel about it because I love to be able to sit and talk through these things. It's been a great conversation with you both. And I think we'll let it rip unedited, provided there's not... Oh, there was the one time I stopped and fussed at somebody about shaking the table right. or something. <laughs> so maybe we'll take that part out. So we don't have to reveal the guilty party. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I think uh, it's been a great discussion. Thanks so much for joining me. I, I think we'll very likely do this again and try to do it uh, maybe not for every episode, but uh, maybe pretty often. So thanks so much for joining in, and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>